Vacation, all I ever wanted. Vacation, had to get away. Vacation, meant to be spent alone. The Go-Go's. Everybody, hey, welcome. Guess what? It's in time for another episode of Felonious Pundits. I am Kentad Spensgard, already giddy, because this episode this week has me so excited. Uh, along with me, as usual, please say hello to your friend, your buddy, your pal, and mine, Mr. AJ Mass. Kentad, they said it couldn't be done. They said that this was a fool's errand. That we would never even come close to getting through a single season of Criminal Minds. Yet here we are, season one finale. We are here. Well done, sir. Yes. And uh, I got to say, out of all the episodes this season, this one pulled me in like no other. Had me tense like no other episode yet. We will get into it. We will. I just I would. I think the show, by the end of the first season, had figured itself out. It knew where it wanted to go going forward. And, uh, I mean, from here to the end of the next season, I, the momentum just builds. These characters, we know who they are. They know who they are. And, uh, you know, there's, of course, going to be maybe one or two clunkers along the way. That's, every show goes through that. But I think far and away... Uh, we're going to see episodes one after the other coming down the pike here that are really, really interesting and fun and uh, very rewatchable that I usually, when, when they come around, I go, oh, yeah, this one. Oh, yeah, this one. Oh, yeah, this one. Like, oh, they're all in a row? Cool. <laughs> Excellent. I cannot wait. By the way, if you're just joining us for the first time, where you been? <laughs> I stole that from somebody else who uh, podcasts. Um, but anyway, what I really want to say is this is a podcast about the TV show Criminal Minds. Uh, we recap and take an in-depth look at an episode of the show each week. I have never seen this show before, so it is a first watch perspective. And uh, we have established that AJ is a grizzled veteran who has seen every episode of the show and uh, it gives you that perspective of someone who is re-watching the show. This week, we are indeed recapping the season finale of season one. Yes, episode 22, entitled The Fisher King, part one. Uh, this episode originally aired on May 10th, 2006. It was written and directed by Edward Allen Bernaro. And uh, AJ... Like I said, this was the tensest I have felt watching an episode uh, all season long, and not just for my usual reason of my tension, which is, are they going to say Baby Hotchner's name yet? <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> chances? Yes. Many. Uh, I do like the fact that this is entitled The Fisher King Part 1, so right off the bat, that's the name of the, that's the, name of the episode. You know there's a part two. You know this is not going to be resolved. So it's not one of those situations where you're watching a, a lot of shows. You'll watch the season finale and you'll be like, oh, I don't know if they got enough time to to be continued. Or, or that's it. The season's over. Oh, no. Uh, you know, you told me uh, prepping for this uh, recording that you like, 
I want to watch the next half. I want to watch the next half. I need to know what happens. And it's like, that's great. That's awesome. Can you imagine this episode airs and you've got to wait months to see oh. the, the finale, uh, you know, how this turns out, as opposed to you who can just, you know, as soon as we hit uh, stop on the record can say, excuse me, I got to go. Next episode, please. Yes, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, one of my, my many reasons that I love ma- modern technology and the internet and the streaming society uh, that we're in now. I mean, I do like watching things, you know, week by week in an episodic nature, but I also like the ability to binge when necessary. So I definitely appreciate that. I feel like this is going to be a, a kind of a long episode, so I figure I guess we better start here. Yeah, let's dive in. <laughs> we, we open on... Kind of a creepy, almost gothic looking building. It looks like a maybe a rectory or a church or an old building like that. Uh, something similar to me anyway. And immediately scary music is playing. So I'm already I'm already ratcheted up because I know this is the season finale. Uh, we see inside there is a blonde woman. She appears to be sleeping. We hear the creaking of a door and footsteps approach. And all of a sudden we see some gnarled ass emperor palpatine looking hands stretching out gently caressing over the body of the woman and then grabbing a piece of her hair then letting the hair go and and then we see the gnarled ass hand grabbing a bak a big ass knife (laughs) ah yes nothing like uh, an episode that starts off right out of the gate and gets to hyphenated ass adjectives from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know it's going to be good. <laughs> we cut right after that to our BAU pantry. And as you teased last week, AJ, right immediately we get into it. The shock of the maybe the whole felonious pundit season one to me. Morgan and Elle are talk. They're discussing their upcoming vacation together <laughs> to Jamaica. Apparently, Morgan has a buddy that has a, manages a resort. He doesn't own it. He manages a resort uh, down in Jamaica, and he's letting Elle know that it is off the hook, <laughs> yeah. which comforts me as someone in an age group who gets off the hook. Uh, and I'm glad he didn't say it was on fleek or something <laughs> similar to that. Yeah. Um, now, which, which, would, which would be uh, the more appealing vacation for you? One that is off the hook or one that is off the chain? Um, that's a good question. I, I, I like off the hook better than off the chain. Okay. Personally. I think, you know, yeah, to me, off the hook is more of it's just a connotation because we again we old. Uh, <laughs> a connotation <laughs> of, of you've taken the phone off the hook. And do not disturb me for any reason because it's going to be crazy. As opposed to off the chain, which is kind of like unleashed, un- you know, wild. Anything can happen. I don't want anything to happen. <laughs> right. I want fun things to happen. I want things that I, I don't want to be disturbed from to happen. I don't know if I want anything to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Uh, and on that on that note, uh, he's mentioning all the beautiful people that are going to be there. And uh, Elle is like a male as well as female, right? And that that makes me happy right away because 
now I know that this isn't like a romantic fling that they're taking off on. This is a vacation two work buddies are going on together uh, and they're each hoping for some romantic possibilities yes, while on I, said vacation. I kind of left that out of the quiz last week <laughs> with that very intention there to really befuddle you. No, no, they're just like, hey, in fact, in fact, Morgan has invited Reed and uh, Reed just doesn't want to go. In fact, Reed seems very distracted. Yeah, Reed does not seem, he just doesn't seem uh, into it. He just tells him to have a good one and takes off. And uh, Morgan asks Elle if he seems okay, seemed okay to her. And she basically says, well, he looks like I would if I was about to spend two weeks with my family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Hotch comes in on that line. It's all very chaotic at the beginning here, AJ. Oh, yeah. No, Hotch this comes whole episode in. has chaotic uh, moments, yes. Yeah. Hotch comes in, says, hey, don't knock family. I'm going to get nothing but for the next two, 336 hours. Uh, he's got chores from Haley that he's looking forward to uh, doing. And then Gideon is swinging through and he says he'll be lost in a cabin in the woods for the next two weeks. Do not call him. He's not joking. Do not call him. <laughs> That's great. It's, you know, everybody's got two weeks of vacation uh, all at the same time on the team. They've, you know, they've said Hotch managed to get all the vacations lined up. Two weeks. Don't think about murders. Don't think about serial killers. Don't think about kidnappings, child abduction, death, dismemberment, poisonings. The whole season just it's just going to relax. And Hotch is excited about a honeydew list, which is bizarre. But OK, cool. <laughs> But what really is annoying is that he goes, and I can't wait to spend time with Haley and her honeydew list. Name the damn baby. Please, please. I'm, I'm expecting Strike it. Strike one. I'm expecting it at many times during this episode. Many times. Strike one. We cut back to the creepy house to check in. And um, the creepy music once again starts playing. And the camera pans over some... Medieval looking art, a, 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 an immaculately carved table front, a little statue of a, of a knight. We see paintings. We see some pages from a, some old looking books. It looks like uh, Arthurian to make an adjective out of it. Uh, that type sure. of art. We hear a phone start to ring. But before we see the person answering the phone, we get something that Immediately disturbed me, and this set off my tension from here on out. We see pictures of our whole team. We see JJ, Morgan, Reed, Hotch, Gideon, L, and even a picture of Garcia. Uh, somebody's keeping tabs on our on our our guys, on the good guys. Yeah, and getting a picture of Garcia—that's like a shiny Pokemon. That ain't easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and we see that same gnarled, funky hand from before. Uh, reach out to pick up an old-fashioned-looking telephone receiver. And and the person also has a, a Palpatine voice that's very whispery and sinister-sounding. And uh, says, uh, yes, thank you. It, it, the hand then reaches out and presses a button on one of those old-school uh, intercom systems. And in a very cool shot, we see the camera pan down through the table, through the floor, through the all the way down from the floor below it to another floor to what looks like maybe a cell in the basement where the intercom is leading to and uh unfortunately down there we see a woman's foot feet and shackles and pan up to see that blonde woman from before as the whispering voice says 
darling, bye, darling, I must go out now, but I promise it will all be over soon. It will all be over one way or another. And the woman starts screaming and lunges forward and she starts pulling at her shackles and she continues screaming as we go into the credits. Yeah, it was nice. It's uh, very reminiscent of David Fincher's uh, camera work in Panic Room and ends on a room where you bet a panic room. <laughs> the girl is not having any thought that this was like some sort of consensual thing. It just goes out the window with the shackles and the screaming. So very ominous start to the episode, which, of course, leads into criminal minds, criminal minds, criminal minds, criminal minds. It's criminal minds. Yeah, I love that, AJ. Are you going to uh, change that in season two of Felonious Pundits, or do you think we're going to stick with that? Because I, I Why enjoy it. Why should I change it? I, I, it's been 15 plus years I've been singing that. <laughs> okay, good. Anyway, we do come back from credits and we're panning over a beautiful beach we are told is Montego Bay, Jamaica. And there's Caribbean music appropriately playing in the background. And we get our opening quote from Gideon. Uh, we will not receive a closing quote, so <laughs> this is the quote of the episode. Um, well, the episode isn't really over. You know, the story's not over at the end. It's that, fair. That's true. Writer Albert Hubbard said, No man needs a vacation so much as the man who has just had one. I like that. That's funny. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. so true. <laughs> so very true. Uh, we see Morgan and Elle chilling on the beachfront in some, you know, uh, beach chairs. They're enjoying paradise. They're having some drinks. A, a friend of Morgan walks up and says, ah, there you are. Morgan gets up and greets him. He's all, my man, Mr. Gerald Dupree. Uh, <laughs> all the classics are going to come out for this season yeah. finale. We, we got a my man. Yes, we did. Uh, and uh, he, he gets up from his beach chair, gives him the bro hug, introduces him to Elle. Uh, Gerald gives L the old flirty, uh, oh, you didn't tell me she was so beautiful. And uh, shockingly, Elle is is like into it. She doesn't go off on him just for being a man. She's actually gracious and funny and laughs and <laughs> is a little bit charming, I would even dare say, in this scene. Elle's a little, uh, Elle's on vacation. <laughs> yeah. She let her hair down a little bit, as it were. She tells him that his resort is beautiful. He thanks her and he asks them if there's anything else they need. And of course, at this point, Morgan is already eyeing a nearby woman. And he's like, oh, oh Lord, have mercy. I think I need to handle something. <laughs> oh, Morgan. The only thing that was missing at this point is uh, for the Love Island uh, voiceover guy to go. Morgan goes player on the playa. <laughs> <laughs> and then bling, L, I got a text. <laughs> uh, yes, a Love Island reference, folks. So uh, here we go. Well, you're not going to get one on the show itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Morgan is looking at some other babes on the beach and he makes sure L is going to be all right. She says she's fine, go. And he takes off to go flirt. And Gerald is still standing there, so he checks if Elle needs anything, and she says, no, she's fine, thanks. And uh, he gives her, her a very Shamar-like line reading on, well, if you need anything, I'll be around. <laughs> <laughs> As he goes off, we see that Morgan is introducing himself to the whole group of ladies over there. In the meantime, a frisbee comes over and hits Elle's chair. And a hunky dude who I I recognize is he the guy that was on Sex in the City in the movie? I did you see the Sex in the City movie? 
I am very proud to say I did not see the Sex and the City movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think it's the guy from the Sex and the City movie that was like uh, one of their uh, one of their like sexy neighbors. Anyway, nope, no point in continuing with uh, with that line. The point being, he is a looker. Yeah. He is hot because and and L, you know, L is going to yell at somebody who throws a frisbee that hits her, except for the fact that. He is a looker. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I'm sorry about that. And she's like, no problem. And uh, he's all, are you alone? And she says, completely. <laughs> and uh, he asks her if she wants to play. And and she is into it. She's on vacation. Hey, that's what she came here for. This is what she came here for. <laughs> we cut next to check in on Hotch. He is at his house. He's already working on his chores. He's going through some boxes. You see him tossing some stuff out. Uh, and he finds an old pirate hat and he's laughing at it. His wife, Haley, comes in and, and she laughs as well and reminds him he's supposed to be dumping things, not examining them. He puts on the hat and says, pirate number four. And she's like, cute. But do you really want to remember your first and last appearance on stage? Hotch says, well, he wasn't that good, but he was committed. And Haley's like, yeah, I would dump it. Uh, Hotch is like, he doesn't want to. So she says, if he can come up with a good reason by the end of the day, she'll allow him to keep it. Now, I will say, if this same plot line had come around around episode three, episode four of this show, that would have been the entire B plot. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) They're they're able now to work these things in and it's natural and it's quick. It's get in, get out. And it it has impact on other stuff. And so the show has grown. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you. That could have, that would have been an entire B plot earlier in this season. <laughs> I think you are correct. I believe you. We cut next to Gideon, and he's at his cabin, and he's all happy. I think maybe the happiest I've ever seen him as he's dancing around to some big band music playing in the background, and he's chopping his onions, and he's getting, he's preparing, it looks like an Italian dinner. We do hear a beeping noise and Gideon opens the kitchen cabinet, which for some reason is where he has his closed circuit TV monitors. And it has like four separate views and he sees a a car approaching the house. But uh, he looks like he's familiar with the car and expecting it. So, uh, yeah, he he even uncorks the wine as soon as he sees it, too. So he's definitely expecting it. I think this is also just another nice job of subtly giving you information. It's like, here's Gideon, who is like this super profiler who's like very famous. Because as we know, that thing that happened in Boston, Uh, he's very famous. He, even when he relaxes, he's got the surveillance system set up, the silent alarm, he's in the middle of nowhere. He's like, he's still protecting himself. And so I think that's just another one of those subtle ways to develop the character without having to say anything, no dialogue. It's just like, okay, I see you, Gideon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next, we cut to a video game character who looks somewhat like Garcia and, uh, and in fact, the text on the screen is saying, My lady Penelope, wouldst thou allow your humblest servant to adventure with thee again? And we cut to Garcia in real life, and she's wishing the real world could be like this game. She's a... Yeah, yeah, the King's Quest graphics uh, <laughs> are a little cheesy and outdated by today's standards, but okay, we'll go with it. Yes. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's really into it, and she's... She starts to answer her companion, whose name is Sir Neef, for some reason. But uh, JJ walks in while she's in the middle of this. And Garcia's like, she looks a little guilty. She's like, oh, you're still here. 
Um, and JJ's like, yeah, I don't get the same vacation time as the rest of the team. She has to make sure there's like plenty of work for them when when they get back. So I guess JJ doesn't get that same two week break that everybody else gets. Yeah, no, I hope that she gets some vacation. And I, I think we should probably track this because, you know, we don't have to wait the whole summer for the season to start up again. Let's let's see if and when she gets a vacation at the beginning of season two to make up for the two weeks that she's not getting here. Yeah, because that ain't right. Um, and, and Garcia, for that matter. I mean, the whole team. I, I think Garcia is no. I think Garcia is just using the facilities. She's just there to play. Okay, fair. Yeah, exactly. Fair. JJ asks Garcia what she's doing. She explains about the game she's playing. She's in Camelot. It's an online world. She's adventuring with Sir Neef. And this guy is amazing. And JJ's like, <laughs> wait, don't tell me you have a crush on a fictional character. And she's like, uh, not a fictional character. It's an online alter ego of a real person. JJ's like, well, you don't know anything about him or even if it is a him. And Garcia's like, we meet online at specified times. And he's never late to that. We spend hours adventuring and chatting during which he gives me his undivided attention and he lavishes me with flattery. When was the last time you you had a date that went that well? And JJ's like, hmm, we'll see if he's got a fictional brother. All right. <laughs> um, and my favorite part about that is that Garcia immediately responds, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, get out of here. This is my thing. Mine, mine. Do not. Yeah. Don't impose. He does not. <laughs> and then we cut yet again. We're just, you're right. We're just chopping Dang. through it here. Everybody, everybody want a vacation or didn't go on vacation, but we're going to just go. Let's see what everybody's up to. Yep. So next we cut to what we're told is Bennington Sanitarium in Nevada. And we see Sue Sylvester herself, Jane Lynch, sitting in a chair. She's clearly a patient at this place, judging by uh, her demeanor or lack thereof she just sort of seems out of it kind of sleepy spacey medicated kind of general vibe yeah yeah uh the camera swings around to the doorway which is about i don't know maybe 20 feet from her and we see reed is there standing in the doorway staring at her and a doctor walks up to reed uh she said oh there's rumor you were here and reed is asks her how this woman is doing the doctor says well schizophrenia is a lifetime illness the meds stabilize the worst of her symptoms, but she still has her bad days. Uh, what makes her most happy are her journals and your daily letters. She's exceptionally proud of you. She talks about you all the time to anyone who listen. Her journals are filled with the cases that you write her about. She calls them your adventures. And Reed said, mom's of the belief that you can find an adventure all around you if you just look. And that's what happens when you're a professor of 15th century literature. The doctor is like, well, she's going to be so excited. You're finally here in person. Um, but Reed is staring at her and he starts to say, you know what? Maybe it's better if he just lets her rest today. The doctor is like, what are you talking about? You should stay. But Reed is clearly not ready for this this confrontation. I'll call it with his mother. He gives the doctor a gift to give her. Uh, he says it's Marjorie Kemp, her favorite I assume it's a book of some kind. I didn't look it up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then he he leaves. Yeah, I mean it. It's it's rough. <laughs> it's rough. I mean, you think about it, like all of the horrific things that the BAU team members go through on the regular basis, and 
you know, Morgan and Al are going to, to Jamaica. You know, Gideon is have, having some sort of uh, date, and he's cooking, and he's happy, and Hotch is home with Haley and the unnamed baby, <laughs> and Reed is visiting his schizophrenic mom in the mental institution. It's just, yeah, this is your vacation and your break from it all. Oof. It's it's yeah. no it's not good. It's not good. You understand? I understand it. Yeah, and you certainly understand his demeanor in the earlier scene when he wasn't really talking to Morgan and Al. Yeah, this is not a fun visit for him. It, it could, couldn't possibly be. So, uh, yeah, you kind of understand Reed a little better here too. Again, character development through the through the, through the stuff that you're doesn't seem important, but all the characters very firmly being established here. And we finally, we know we're coming back for a second season so we can, we can explore and set things up for down the line. It's good stuff. <laughs> we cut back to Jamaica and now some slow reggae music is playing and uh, Elle is dancing away with her hunk from the beach and Morgan dances up with one of the girls he met on the beach. And he's like, are you all right there, Greenway? <laughs> and Elle is like, go away. <laughs> and Morgan just laughs, <laughs> and he's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And Elle is like, mm, afternoon. <laughs> and the dude she's with is like, afternoon? And she puts his finger into his mouth and, and says, don't speak. And then she starts to kiss him. Yeah, that's the Elle I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm driving this this bus. <laughs> yeah, you just just shut up. Yeah, <laughs> you're here for but me. No, it's, it's good to see. It's, it's, they're having a yeah. good time. I mean, it, hey, cool, cool, cool. And I mean, the good times clearly stop right here, right? No, 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 no. Let's cut back to the Hotchners and Haley's coming down the stairs and she teases me with the line. He's sound asleep. Who is he, Haley? What's his name? Come on. Uh, Again, strike two. That would have been a perfect opportunity to say uh, the child's name is uh, sound sound asleep because you know what? Hotch would know the child's name. (laughs) And wouldn't then go ask who? (laughs) she's like you know what we have a few hours to ourselves Hotch says you know dinner was amazing and Haley is uh, it's nice to have someone to cook for you know again this sort of follows up on what we've seen in the past where Hotch always seems to be running out and and never there for his family uh so that thread sort of is is hinted at a little bit there and mm-hmm. and Hotch uh is looking at his High school yearbook from his junior year, 1987, which coincidentally, AJ, was my junior year of high school. (laughs) So I, I too, am class of 88. I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) So we're the same age as Hotch. Yeah. (laughs) He he feels older to us than to me. But okay. Even even with the uh, hindsight of 15 years. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so he goes into a story about the day how he the day he got his yearbook, how he accidentally walked into a theater club rehearsal and he saw her and he knew right then and there that he was going to marry her. And then he looked her up that night and wondered how he had missed her, missed out on her for two years. He knew he had to meet her. So he went in and joined the theater club. And that's how he got cast in Pirates of Penzance as the worst pirate number four in history. That is his whole sappy reason for keeping the hat. And of course, Haley relents and immediately says he can keep it. And they start making out. Cute. Cute, cute, 
cute, cute. And it, it also just goes to show that, uh, you know, all that, the smiles and the humor that we see, you know, he's laughing at the beginning of this episode. He's having a good time now. He's he's smiling. It's there. It's the job that beats it out of him. He has to turn it off. And, and so, again, a nice little, uh, you know, it shows that this, this is a good couple. This couple works. You get it now. You didn't see it before, but now you get it. Mm-hmm. Next, we cut to Gideon's cabin in the woods. He's having dinner with a female companion. I didn't know if we ever caught her name. I don't have it, AJ, so I'm... <laughs> it was never given in the episode. Never at all. You got to name your characters if they have some lines, I feel. She has a, I, I looked it up. She does have a name in, in, you know, in the credits and whatnot. Uh-huh. I think it's Doris. Uh, okay. <laughs> I believe it was Doris because I looked her up to see who she was. And, you know, she's been in other things before, but she's, she's actually... Got quite the resume. She's like Tony Award type actress. Okay. This is her role. So <laughs> yeah, and she did look. She did look some, somewhat familiar, but I didn't. I didn't uh, look her up. Yeah, no, she's been in some stuff, but irrelevant here because again, she's basically unnamed lady love. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, she's complimenting Gideon's cooking. He gives her some more wine, and she's like, "Oh, I'm not responsible for myself after my second drink." And uh, a Billie Holiday style, I don't know if that was Billie Holiday, it sounded like Billie Holiday to me, song, it was playing in the background, and she asks, does she sound old if she says they don't make music like this anymore? And Gideon just says, yep. Uh, (laughs) Look old too. Yes. (laughs) He smiles, he gets up and grabs her, and they start dancing, and she's like, ah, it's good to be old. So it's another cute, quick moment. Again, you, t- you take the you take the evil out of your life, and you you learn to appreciate the quiet, calm times a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Even Gideon, <laughs> Ex- even Gideon. Now we cut back to the Hotchners, and uh oh, creepy music starts playing. So uh, <laughs> hey, this is Criminal Minds. This isn't uh, <laughs> right. Happy Time USA. <laughs> so Haley and Hotch are asleep on the couch. And the phone ring, it starts ringing. Hotch picks it up. It's the uh, whispery voice of our unsub. He says, Agent Hotchner, don't waste time on the first victims. They were unrepented bad men. She is the important one. Remember, everything starts at the beginning. There won't be much time. Remember, the youngest holds the key. You must help him save her. Then the unsub hangs up. Haley wakes up. She's like, what's going on? And Hotch is like, I don't know. Because <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> it, it, you know, fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we cut next to the resort in Jamaica. And our man, Gerald Dupree, is getting off the elevator with a bunch of police. And he's telling them it was an anonymous call. A man said there had been a murder in room 19. He called security to check it out. But then they saw that and he's pointing to streaks of blood on the walls. And and Gerald says, I thought it would be best if I just called you guys right away. So he uh, gives the cops a key to the room and it's a bloody mess. And we can see that there's looks like to, appears to be a body in the room. I, I, I do like the fact that he, he explained that he he saw the blood on the walls and the door and then called them. I didn't just, oh, there's a dead body, room 19. All right, I'll call the cops. Right. I, I'm glad he they showed that he did 
check it out, sort of. And this, you know what? There is blood. I'm, I'm yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna leave that alone. Yeah. Uh, we cut next to Garcia on her laptop and she's playing her game. All of a sudden the screen says game over and then it says all work, no play over and over again. And Gloria and Garcia's like, what the what? Then all of a sudden, unfortunately for her, all of the other monitors in the room start saying all work, no play. Garcia's like, no, 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 no. Alarms start going off. She's looking around in disbelief, just no, 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 no. She's trying to clickety-clack, but it's not working. She done messed up, <laughs> AJ. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 that's not, not how computer viruses work. No, <laughs> not at all. It would happen all at once or not at all. It would actually go from one of her monitors to the next monitor to the next monitor. <laughs> so that was a bit silly. However, there was a fun moment here because, again, uh, because I'm watching for the umpteenth time, I noticed details now that I never noticed before. When they when they cut from her small uh, laptop to the big monitor for the first time, she's got a little sticky note on the lower right corner of the monitor, and it's it's one of those little post-it notes that says, you know, reasons I like you, and like check here, check here, check here, and it's made out to Kirsten. Is, of course, the actress's name, yeah, Kirsten Vangsness, not to Penelope, not to Garcia, but it says to Kirsten. It's cute, but also, you know, it's, it's a mistake, right? Yeah, I... <laughs> but cute. <laughs> ah, very interesting. I did, I, I did miss that. That's a, that's a good catch. So next, we cut to Gideon. He's he's making out with his lady friend. <laughs> unnamed lady friend and uh all of a sudden his alarm beeps his proximity alarms or whatever they are and he he goes and checks out his cctv and what looks like to be a delivery truck is pulling up and at this point he's already grabbed his gun he's good right (laughs) he's like ready for anything he tells the lady uh, uh sorry but you know no one should be coming here just go wait in the bedroom and he heads out to the door then we cut back to the police in Jamaica. They have their guns drawn and they're following uh, the blood trail in the hotel hallway. It appears to another room. We cut back to Gideon answering the door and there's a, a delivery guy there. He accepts the package. He brings it into the house. There's What's a, in the box? Well, What's I know. in the box? <laughs> yeah, I did make that connection in my head too. Uh, there's also on top of the box before you open the main box there's a small manila envelope uh, on top of the package package and the words save her are written on it Uh, so he opens that first and it's an old baseball card of Nellie Fox number two Chicago White Sox second base and I remember I told you to stick a pin in the fact that he is a Chicago White Sox fan we've established that in a previous episode this season we are reinforcing it here Keep your pin stuck. <laughs> pin stuck. His lady comes in and says, what is it? Gideon says, Nellie Fox. And then we cut back to the police as they close in on the other hotel room. And the door is just covered in blood, AJ. It's almost comical how much blood <laughs> is available here for this guy to go all the way from presumably the murder room all the way down the hallway to another door. But it's there. It's almost like uh, a, a trail that someone was setting up on purpose. <laughs> That's silly. That couldn't possibly be. What kind of cop are you? <laughs> we cut back to Gideon and he's opening the box. 
And then his lady friend screams because, of course, there is a head in the box, AJ. <laughs> Did we expect anything else? <laughs> I mean, no, no, especially the way, well, he's delivering this box to me in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Who's it from? Some John Doe. I don't know his name yet. <laughs> But he sent me a Nelly Fox baseball card. <laughs> I thought there were more prizes. <laughs> uh, God. Cut back to Jamaica. The police are kicking in the door of the room and grab the woman that's sleeping there who starts to scream to let her go. And of course, it's Elle. And she is promptly arrested. Uh, cut back to Gideon's. And it's later, a bit later, his lady friend is leaving. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry, I've just never seen anything like this. And really, would he have expected her to stay <laughs> after seeing a head in a box? <laughs> I don't think so. No, no. And, and, and in fairness, he was not he was not at all annoyed or disappointed. I mean, obviously upset with the situation, but he was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll drive you. Just chill. Relax. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> There's an FBI agent walking out of the cabin and Gideon is like, contact me as soon as you're done. I want to know who the hell that used to be. And the agent asks if he knows anyone in Jamaica. And Gideon's like, no. And the agent saying, that's the postal zone where the package was sent from, Montego Bay, Jamaica. And Gideon's like, you think I didn't see that? I don't know anybody in Jamaica. And I'm like, wow, Gideon, you really don't pay attention to the people you work with. But, that's, what but that tracks. That <laughs> yes. tracks. It totally tracks. No, Gideon would not have cared where anyone else was going on vacation except maybe Hotch. He would not have cared. He's just like, so leave me alone. I don't want to know where you are. Do not, do not bother me. It's like, it totally tracks. Um... <laughs> We cut back to Jamaica and Elle is handcuffed to a chair and there's a Jamaican detective and he's asking her how the blood got outside of her door. And she's like, I don't have any idea, but there wasn't any blood inside my room, was there? This whole interrogation was like a really bad reprise of the Shaggy song. There was a blood to your doorway. It wasn't me. What are you hiding, Mrs. Greenway? It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. The detective is like going on, who was the victim? And Ella's like, look, for the hundredth time, I didn't even know there was a victim until you dragged me out of bed. And the detective just screams at her, where's the victim's head? <laughs> and Elle's kind of a smart ass at this point. And she says, uh, she doesn't know. She must have dropped it on the way here. <laughs> yeah, I just love that. I love that she gets so exasperated. In this case, just like us. I'm on vacation, man. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's my favorite line. She's just like, dude. I'm an American. How are you? I'm police, just like you. I'm FBI, just on vacation, man. And uh, <laughs> someone brings in a folder to the detective, and he looks in there, and then he asks L if she's the her, and he points to a picture of a message that was written on blood on the hotel wall that says, "Save her." And yes, greatest hits, AJ. <laughs> One last time this season, we get to travel by photo. <laughs> Thank That's you. Right. Kodak <laughs> Airlines is ready for takeoff. We go right from inside that uh, photo. And, and the funny thing is, they're not actually going, except maybe like down the hall. <laughs> right, right, to the other <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, this is a police detective, but it seems like he, he's dressed so casual. He might be actually at the resort. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, very funny. I was like, okay, and now we're in the room with Morgan. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
Morgan is there and he's telling the te- the other detective that's there he doesn't cl- care where the blood trail led they've made a mistake we're FBI agents we're BAU profilers here on vacation and this detective she's like profilers and Morgan's like yeah we handle serial cases we consult police departments all over the world like Mexico <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh excuse me excuse me i have to type into my resume here comma jamaica <laughs> yes. uh, the detective is like so if uh, we called you to consult on this would it be your advice to let the woman who we found at the end of the blood trail go <laughs> and uh, morgan says look agent greenway is not a killer the detective says well can you explain why the blood went right to her door and morgan says obviously someone would like you to think she is the killer uh, i mean you know i i I understand there's this perception that police work in other countries can sometimes be even more corrupt than it is here in this country and even more inept than it sometimes is in this country. But, you know, I wouldn't expect you to let her go, but I also would say, oh, she's FBI, probably treat her a little kinder, don't throw her on the floor, uh, don't cuff her, like, you know. In the moment, where was she going anyway? <laughs> yeah. She's asleep. Uh, Quick, taser. <laughs> she, yeah, this whole thing is a little a little odd. But Morgan says, uh, look, I've got my boss. He's flying down from Virginia. When he gets here, we'll help you figure this all out. <laughs> and, uh, meanwhile, Gerald Dupree walks in. He tells Morgan uh, that this victim is named Marty Harris. At least that's the name of the person who rented the room. And the, the detective is like, uh, hey, why are you talking to him? I thought that was funny. Uh, it was very funny. Like, <laughs> and, and my question is, well, why are you letting him investigate the room <laughs> with you? Like, if you're going to be like that. Yeah, um, ex- so there's that. And also, like, um, it's, it's very weird because she because they're dressed so casually, it. it is she the hotel detective, the re- resort detective, or is she like you know a gendarme type? You know, because you know the the when they called in the police, they were uniformed. And she's dressed in one of these Hawaiian shirts, just like Marty, <laughs> just like uh, Gerald is. So it's like, hey man, like, she treats. It's just like, oh, like does he work for you? I'm very confused at the hierarchy here. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Dupree uh, says a couple of days ago. This guy, Harris, checked in with another man named Frank Giles, um, who has the uh, adjoining room. They tried calling him, but he doesn't answer. Morgan immediately goes to the door. He sees that it's locked. He doesn't bother asking his buddy who, who probably, you know, doesn't want damage done to his resort. Doesn't bother asking him for the key. Morgan kicks in the door before anybody else gets the opportunity to... And yes, another classic uh, Morgan gets a kick in the door moment. Uh, then again, you know, uh, they're probably going to have to redo this room from start to finish anyway because of all the blood. So uh, what's, what's one busted door? <laughs> um, so the adjoining room is it's empty and it's spotless. And so Morgan says, looks like Frank Giles is in the wind. You might have yourself a real suspect now. Uh, at this point, the detective seems cool. She's just like, okay, she'll go get her crime scene people. Morgan pulls out his phone and makes a call. And we, <laughs> c- we cut 
to the phone ringing in Garcia's office and she's got all the computers opened up and the pieces laying everywhere. And she's like, all work and no play, huh? You wait till I'm through with you. Uh, she picks up the phone and instead of her usual snappy phone answering repartee, she's just like, what? And Morgan says uh, he's going to need a rundown on a guy. And she says, no. And he's like, what? <laughs> Very stunned. Morgan doesn't know that her clickety-clack won't clackety-click. <laughs> right. Uh, she says, the information superhighway is closed. Someone had the nerve to run a black hot black hat op on my computers, Morgan. They hacked me, but I will find them. I've got honeypot farms hidden behind UML kernel data packets and a first-generation honey net I personally programmed. Morgan looks as lost as I felt when I heard all of that. Um, Garcia says... Hearst, Hearst Nortlog lists every visitor, <laughs> every server request, every keystroke on the entire network. If she has to backhack his IP all the way to the freaking Stone Age, she's going to do it. She's going to find this son of a bitch, okay? So bye. And she hangs up on him. Do not mess with Penelope <laughs> right. Garcia. <laughs> we cut to Gideon arriving at BAU, and JJ walks up to him and says she's been trying to call him. Someone sent him ahead. He says, yeah, from Jamaica. And she tells him that Morgan and Elle are in Jamaica right now. There was a murder. The body was headless. Elle was arrested for it. (laughs) Gideon's like, what? As I I like to put it, JJ recaps the episode thus far. (laughs) Yes. Hotch is headed down there with some bureau lawyers and a crime scene unit. Gideon looks really perturbed. He tells JJ if she talks to Hotch, have him call Gideon right away. And then uh, a random agent comes up to Gideon and tells him they processed the baseball card and the package. They don't have anything. They didn't get anything from it. They're still working on identifying the head. But Gideon tells him to contact Montego Bay police. Apparently, they have a headless homicide victim there. Yeah, I think I think that we might have a match. Yes. <laughs> we got a love connection here. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we cut to our detective who is still interrogating Elle. I don't know how much time has passed, but he's asking her what time she went to bed. She says around midnight. She doesn't really know. It was late. He pointedly asks her if she was alone. And she says she was by the time she got back to her room. (laughs) (laughs) And Hotch walks in and immediately Elle starts grinning like, oh, yeah, it's on now, baby. (laughs) She starts grinning. She grabs her coat. I mean, she's still (laughs) chained to the chair. And she's already she's picked up her coat and is draping over her shoulder like this is going to be like three more seconds. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Detective St. Pierre is like, look, we're not finished here. Hotch says, Agent Greenway only arrived in your country yesterday afternoon. I brought a forensics guy in and he's examined the body at your morgue. He's put the time of death at no less than 24 hours ago based on the advanced rigor mortis and the contents of the stomach, which contained a meal he ordered from room service two days ago. Your coroner confirmed these findings, which means that Agent Greenway wasn't even here when this man was killed. I wanted him to say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) He says, he said, instead, he's ever professional Hotch. And he says, I appreciate that you have a difficult situation. And agents Morgan and Greenaway are going to be happy to cooperate in any way they can. But they'll be doing so from our offices in Quantico, Virginia. Uh, St. Pierre doesn't really say anything. But after a moment, he just tosses L the keys, handcuff keys so she can unlock herself. Yeah, he doesn't toss her the keys. He just, like, 
throws them on the desk near her. He can't yeah. even say, I am sorry, or like, oops, my bad, or, you know, hey, you know it is. It's just like, flap. <laughs> yeah. Un- he's not. Uncuff yourself. Get out of here. Yeah. He's not happy. He's he's just lost what he thought was his best lead. Uh, <laughs> but you can't mess with Hotch. You can't mess with BAU. That's the lesson I think that needs to be learned. It's a good lesson. We cut to JJ, who's on the phone, and she's saying, okay, that's great, Hotch. By the way, Gideon wants you to call him as soon as you can. Uh, I think you better let him tell you. Okay, call me if you need anything. She hangs up from Hotch, and then she notices that there's a package on her desk. And I said, they must have a really efficient mailroom guy at the, <laughs> at the BAU who goes and drops off packages while nobody, well, people are on the phone and they don't even notice it <laughs> in and out. Well, now, in fairness, it was sitting there before she answered the phone. But, yeah, uh, I also like the fact that they probably didn't get permission from FedEx to use FedEx. So they use TransX. <laughs> <laughs> she opens her package. It's another package. I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's another body part. But no. There is a butterfly in in like a display case or what she calls later, I think a shadow box was the terminology she used. Mm-hmm. And there's a caption over it and it says, she has been searched for yet never found. Mm. Great. This whole entire episode is turning into an escape room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, maybe it was the inspiration for skate escape rooms. I mean, I feel like they came out maybe even after or they became popular after this show was done. I feel like. I, I mean, it, it is It is uh, very much this entire episode. And it, it trust me, it's going to get even crazier before, before it wraps up here. But it, it is kind of this whole... All right, just uh, search, search area, found package, find baseball card, put in inventory, move right. along, <laughs> search, search office, find box, open box, find butterfly, put in inventory. It's like, I don't know what any of these things are used for, but at some point it'll, I'll figure it out. Maybe I'll be able to solve one of these puzzles, but I'll probably end up getting stuck and I'll have to go on some sort of Reddit web page to figure out what the secret <laughs> is, find some cheat code because I've been stuck on this damn page and this puzzle for three days and i can't do it anymore (laughs) so uh we cut next to reed he's uh, arriving back at the sanitarium but a nurse stops him before he goes up uh to his mom and tells him that he has a package that someone delivered for him last night and reed's like what and i would be like what too because (laughs) who, who knows about the sanitarium that they could send a package to me here yeah, um, who knows that I would be I would be here if they knew about the sanitarium. It's weird. Yeah. He opens the package and there is a key in there. Old fashioned looking key, not like a modern day key, like an old fashioned skeleton key. Yeah, uh, I, I called it an or, ornate key, but eventually they'll start calling it a skeleton key. So uh, let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a note there that says she will die unless you save her, Dr. Reed. Call Gideon. He knows. Wow. So we are, this is like a big mystery uh, escape room here. I Absolutely. do feel a little a little bit uh, cheated that we get like 20 seconds of Jane Lynch. You have Jane Lynch as a guest star and she's there for like 20 seconds. But I can only assume that we will see more of Jane Lynch in the future. And this was just sort of to establish her. I uh, mean, in, in general, generally speaking, you're. You're going to know the importance of a character by whether or not they give you a name or not. 
So do you think we're ever going to see Gideon's uh, unnamed lady love again? Probably <laughs> not. Are we ever going to see that rando uh, FBI agent who said, no prints on the card? Probably not. <laughs> you know, do they do they take the time to give you a name is usually uh, at a minimum the bellwether. And you're not going to obviously you're not going to introduce Reed's mom and put her in for 20 seconds and never see her again. You're absolutely right. <laughs> we, I, I, it's not a spoiler to say that we will be seeing plenty of Jane Lynch from time to time over the course of the series run. <laughs> OK, uh, so Unless anyway, in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> beat and switch, beat and switch. <laughs> JJ goes into Gideon's office and she tells him that she just got a strange package and he's all as strange as a head delivered in the middle of the night. <laughs> Seems a little bitter, but <laughs> I think he's he's uh, well, we'll learn what's biting his craw. But uh, she hands him her display case and she says that it's a pale clouded yellow butterfly. They're indigenous to Europe, Britain mainly. And Gideon reads the she has been searched for yet never found message. And he looks at the his envelope that had the baseball card that says save her. And he looks at JJ and he's all what the hell is going on here? And um, just before we cut to a commercial break, we see our woman prisoner from before. She's coughing and just looking generally terrible. Yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. I, I think uh, Gideon spoke for all of us there. Like, what? what what's going on? We're only, you know, we're halfway through the episode. We have no idea what's going on. Oh, yeah, it's a part one. That's OK, then. <laughs> yeah. So we come back and Morgan, L, and Hotch are coming off the elevator at the BAU office. Hotch is asking if they're sure they don't want to go home to get some rest. They don't. L says she is not resting until she finds Frank Giles. JJ comes up and she lets them know Frank Giles got on a few flights from Jamaica and flew to Virginia, Arlington, Virginia. And L's like, you mean that son of a bitch is from here? And JJ says she doesn't know if he's from here, but this is where he flew to. Apparently, he's got a long criminal record, and so does the victim, Marty Harris, who was a two-time convicted fetish burglar, a registered child sex offender, and Gideon comes in saying, and we have his head. (laughs) (laughs) We need a little comic relief here, even though that's not delivered with any sense of humor whatsoever. Yeah. like, this this is the reset scene, you know, it's like for anyone who's tuned in late, we're halfway through the episode, uh, let, let, let's catch up. I mean, I think Hotch would have probably had this conversation with Morgan and Elle before they went up the elevator, you know, and they're probably downstairs, like, go home. No, I don't want to go. You sure you don't want to go home? No, I don't want to go home. Once they got upstairs, he wouldn't have said it again. I, you know, that that's for <laughs> right. our benefit. I get it. It's TV. You, you deal with it, even though it, it makes it a little unnatural. There's a little confusion for me here as to exactly how bad is the problem with the clickety-clackety-clickety-clackety, because it probably wasn't exclusive to Garcia's machines that are down, but JJ's able to find the flight information, and yes, you could have gone outside and called and everything, but it's just it's just weird. Like, there's got to be somewhere else you can go. <laughs> right. So, it's just, it's, uh, whatever. Uh, you know. I'll overlook it. It's it's minor. <laughs> so, yeah, Gideon informs them that the CSU just positively identified the head that was in the cabinet. And then Hotch uh, takes the time to repeat the phone call he got from the night before. Don't waste time on the first victims. They were unrepentant bad men. And Elle asks if there was any mention of a her. And Hotch says, you must help him save her. 
And Ella's like, wait, there's a him now, too. <laughs> and Gideon says, I think he means Reed. Uh, before he can explain that, Hotch is like, you know, we need to regroup. So they leave the middle of the hallway where they're having this, the open hallway where they're having this conversation. <laughs> and they uh, go to their now famous round table room <laughs> to discuss the case more. Absolutely. And, uh, I, you know, I, it shows how good Hotch is, is that he, even though he was awoken from uh, pleasant slumber and got this whispering phone call. He remembered it verbatim. I mean, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Very unbelievable. But okay, again, you know, <laughs> would he even have written it down? I don't know that he would have. You know? <laughs> uh, I'm going to just go with, even though he doesn't have the same kind of di- didactic memory that Reed does. Idetic. Idactic. You're right. Idetic. I'm going to just say <laughs> he has a semi-good okay. memory. I can... I know it's just it's again it's yeah. just one of these TV things when they all pile up in this one scene here it seems like it's like oh we're a little short let's add this scene here because they could have just gone yeah. straight to the round table meeting this is a runtime thing and it's written after the fact you can <laughs> always tell and this is why so uh we cut to the round table room Hotch is saying that clearly they have a psychopath who's intent on drawing them into his game and Ella's like she's pissed off she's like let's return the favor and Morgan is like, he kept telling us to save her. What her? Who is she? Gideon says that the items he sent must be some sort of clues. So they decide to get them on the board. Gideon says, I got a Nellie Fox baseball card from 1963 and I got a head in a box. <laughs> and JJ says, I got a rare butterfly in a shadow box. And Hotch says. And then Charlie Brown says, I got a rock. <laughs> Uh, Hodge says, and we got repeated messages to save her. And L, who's just pissed off, um, says she got the decapitated body and a nice visit to the Jamaican police headquarters. To be fair, I don't think she got the <laughs> decapitated body, <laughs> just the visit. <laughs> Gideon says that Reed called from Nevada. He's on his way back. He's got a skeleton key and a note also. And Hodge said the guy who called him said the youngest one holds the key. Ah, so that explains why earlier Gideon was saying he he thinks he's referring to Reed because Gideon must know about that message. Morgan says that usually the unsubs don't contact them this way. They might taunt us or dare us to catch them, but they don't drag us into their fantasy. And JJ asks him why not. And she says, because they're sexual fantasies and taunting us could be a show of power. But making us the object is I don't know what the hell that is. Although I would I would argue that many of the viewers do draw the VAU into their fantasies, especially uh, Morgan. <laughs> My man. My man. Uh, Gideon says that there's something else about the baseball card. Nellie Fox was one of the stars of the 1959 White Sox. Uh, I went to almost every game with my father that year. Fox was my hero. So is it a coincidence that he sends that to me or does he know how I feel about him? And JJ says, yeah, she collected butterflies when she was a little girl. That's how she knew what butterfly was in the box. Morgan says, so he knows us. And Hotch points out that he got an anonymous message. And Elle says all she got was a police raid. And Charlie Brown says, I got a rock. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And Morgan says, yeah, but he knew exactly where he were. He knew the hotel in Jamaica. He knew Gideon was at the cabinet. He knew Reed was in Vegas. He knew you were at your home. He's talking to Hutch. And uh, Garcia walks into the room and says he got all that information from the Bureau of Computers. 
Your locations are always in there so they can find you if they need you. She happened to check the log and the hacker was definitely in the personnel folders. There were room numbers to the hotel in Jamaica, the address to Gideon's cabin. Basically, there's a lot of information in those databases. And Hotch asks if she figured out how he was able to get into the computers. And at first, Garcia is like, uh, she's still working on that. But he presses further and Garcia admits that she was playing an online game and Gideon's like a game. And she, you know, points out it wasn't on the Bureau's computers. It was on her own personal laptop. But Morgan's like, ah, no, because he understands this means she was connecting to the Wi-Fi of the Bureau. And so somebody got onto her computer, basically, which has less security on it. And then once she connected into the Wi-Fi, they were able to access the system that way. And Gideon, ever the sensitive, (laughs) ever the feeling caring boss, basically says, playing a game. How could you be that stupid? And if you freeze, if you freeze the image right there, you can actually see Penelope Garcia's heartbreak into three pieces. She's just, she's wrecked. She just, her face. (laughs) Yeah. She's basically, I mean, she's basically crying without like, you know, being loud and uh, out with it, but she's Uh, basically, yeah. Yeah. That hurt more than anything else. I mean, she knows she did something stupid, but what Gideon's saying out loud, it's just wrecked her. Yeah. He's like, Gideon is like, information files, you have a responsibility. And Garcia says she knows she's sorry. And then after a pause, she says, but I found him. And they're like, what? And she says she knows who he is. His name is Frank Giles. He lives in Arlington, Virginia, four miles from here. I have his address. And Morgan is like, you said Giles? Um, (laughs) Of course, we next cut to the FBI SWAT team arriving. I I put in my notes, cars, cars, more cars. (laughs) Right. They are arriving at what I would presume is the Giles apartment. And lo and behold, Morgan gets to kick in another door. So that's two in one episode. That's to like oh, make up <laughs> for the times. Special episode. Special. <laughs> and then there's another door. And this one, they just open and look at it. And then we get a point of view camera angle looking back at uh, Elle and Morgan. And all we can see from what they see is that there's a sword hilt sticking up. And uh, Morgan is like, oh, oh, and uh, Elle is like, you got to be kidding me. Morgan calls for Hotch and Gibson. They got to see this. They come in and then finally we all see what they're looking at. There's a man's body on a bed in the center of the room. And there's a sword going all the way through his body, through the bed, jammed into the floor. And uh, written in blood on the wall is the message. Here thy quest doth truly begin. And we cut to a break. Man, I mean, I, I, I was a little upset that, that uh, Morgan didn't kick in door number three because that would <laughs> that would have been fun. But it was a, it was a double saddle door that just kind of swings. So you know, okay, I get it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This this episode's gone off the rails, but <laughs> in the best, delicious, most way. <laughs> it is crazy. This is if it, if this doesn't sound chaotic, trust me, it's. It's chaotic to watch this whole this whole episode is moving at a breakneck pace. The music and sound design on this episode was really great. Like when they were looking at the pictures earlier of the BAU team, each time he looked at a separate picture, there was like a music cue that went with it. I mean, just the whole thing. 
great, 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 great. No, it's good stuff. So let's let's yeah. uh, let's uh, doth cr- truly begin uh, yes. our review, <laughs> our quest, uh, our recap of the rest of, the, of this episode because uh, it, it gets a little hinky here. But let's let's go. Yep. <laughs> We come back and they're going over the crime scene now, which uh, is Giles's place. Hotch says uh, this guy is definitely playing with us. L says the identification checks out. This this body is definitely Frank Giles. And Morgan points out that there's a big old bag of money sitting right there on the dresser. And Hotch is figuring things out. He says, so Giles took Harris to Jamaica to kill him. And then the unsub kills Giles. And Morgan said, yeah, but he paid him first and then he left the cash. He's apparently very well funded, our unsub. Uh, Hot says that these are unrepentant bad men and are we looking for some kind of vigilante? Gideon says, no, these bodies are nothing but a way to get us interested. They're, they're game pieces. These killings are secondary. L points out that the unsub likes to write in blood on walls. And Morgan says, well, that there's all kinds of cult and d- demonic significance to that. And L is like, thy quest doth truly begin. Why start phrasing stuff like this now? Hotch says, yeah, all the other messages were in, in modern English. And Morgan says, maybe this is the first message that our unsub actually wrote. And L says, so we're looking for Shakespeare. A crime scene tech points out to the team that there's something etched onto the blade of the sword. So Hotch reads it and it says, to learn of what should next be done, leave the blade till the hour be none. He tells L to stand out of the way. Um, the bed is set in the center of the room. Maybe the light at that time will cast a shadow that points to something. And L is like, come on, are we in the middle of an Indiana Jones movie? And Hotch is like, till the hour be none. Morgan says, well, midnight is zero hours. Uh, would that be the none? And Hotch points out that midnight, there wouldn't be any shadow being cast. And well, there wouldn't be a shadow from the sun. I mean, there could be a, a light from a, a source outside the window that turns on at that point. It, it's possible, but true, unlike. Yeah. Uh, and Reed walks in and says, 3 p.m. Hey, y'all, Garcia told me where to find you. Um, <laughs> and Gideon says, 3 p.m. And Reed says, yes, it's medieval. The days used to be broken into hourly intervals. The canonical hours of the breviary. 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 You know what? You don't even have to explain it. It's like, <laughs> he yeah. goes into this, because it's all nonsense. But anyway, I mean, it's, it, yeah, they used to talk in these terms and none meant 3 p.m. And of course, Reed's going to know that. I mean, especially yes. since we just learned that, about what his mother would read. He probably read that stuff, too. So, uh uh, well, well remembered there by Reed. And, and Al says, oh, Reed, don't ever go away again. And he gives her a little smile. I thought that was a nice little moment between them. And uh, Gideon says, so it's medieval. That's why the language has changed. And Hotch says, everything this guy does is a clue. Morgan points out that they're past 3 p.m. It's 4.35. Are we just supposed to leave this here until 3 tomorrow? And Reed says, no, let's block out the window. And then he asks the crime scene technique uh, tech if she has any spotlights in the car. She's like, sure. We cut to a little bit later and they well, have. Before we before we cut, before we cut, I do want to say, I thought this was a nice little touch. And I, do, I don't know exactly uh, how much of this was instinctual or written into the script. But Elle says, thanks, Gina. As she leaves, mm-hmm. technically, she says, thanks, Gina, which I would like to interpret as the fact that Elle realizes that these men are never going to learn the names of this, of this flunky who works with them. And Elle's going to take the time to make sure she gets noticed 
and thanked. So I think that is a really cool uh, thing for Elle. That the also. This is the casting director for the show, whose name actually is Gina. <laughs> so oh. it could have been a mistake, but I don't think it is. I think I think I think uh, it's character development for Elle. So she's going to say thank you to Gina. So there you go. Yeah, very nice. So when we come back, they they set up the scene now so that Reed has got hold of the light and he's saying what, what kind of? But he's got a flashlight. It's not not a really spotlight. a spotlight. Yeah. It was very right. weird because Gina was very confident that I guess because she's the casting director and not the props department, she couldn't really answer appropriately. But I mean, they have a light, but I wouldn't call that a spotlight. I'd call it a flashlight. I, I agree. But anyway, he's he's uh, at the position holding up the light and he's saying, OK, the sun would be here at 5 p.m. Um, and I like the deductive reasoning that's used here. So he's uh, as he moves up the light, he wants Morgan to like follow the shadow and Morgan is like, well, what am I supposed to do? And and Hutch tells him, well, you tap. So Morgan taps along the wall as as Reed moves the shadow up. And uh, and yes, right where like there would be like a little hole in the sword of the sh- on the shadow. Uh, Morgan taps and he notices that it, there's a hollow sound. And and Alice does make another Indiana Jones quote like this is <laughs> Indiana Jones. Morgan says it feels like the wall's been replaced, so Hotch tells him to tear it open. Um, Morgan brings out a, a knife or something, and, and he puts a hole in the wall, and he and he finds a box. And uh, Hotch says, take it out. Rita's like, say, slow your roll. Are you sure that's safe? <laughs> <laughs> Which I agree with Reed here. There's no, who knows what's going on at this point. Uh, yeah, this guy has shown himself to be an efficient uh, setter-upper of shenanigans. So, yeah, we could be booby-trapped anywhere in here. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Hotch is like, you think it's a bomb? You think he'd be playing this game just to blow us up? And and Morgan says, well, he would have already done that as long as we've been standing there. I'm like, still, I still agree with Reed. Like, y'all are like really quick to just be like <laughs> pulling that out. Like, you want to do that with your lives. That's fine. But I'm going to stay yeah. back. Let me. <laughs> although although I, I, there is something to be said for the psychology of an unsub who appears to be playing the role of dungeon master, that he's probably going to protect his characters up to a certain point and you wouldn't start the quest and then kill off your main characters. So I, I think there is a profiler-based logic to this. I, yeah, that is fair. So they try to open the box, but it appears to be locked. And uh, Gideon reminds them of their clues. The youngest holds the key. So they all look at Reed, who grabs the skeleton key he was sent. Okay, now hang on, though. Hang on. Did you notice this? He does not grab the skeleton key he is sent. He pats his... Oh, yeah, I got it. He reaches in his left pocket. It's not there. It's he not reaches there. in his right pocket. It's not there. And he has put it in his shirt pocket. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, for someone with an eidetic memory, <laughs> he certainly doesn't remember where he put the damn key. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's a mistake. I, yeah, they, they, they kind of set up that his, his memory isn't 100% infallible unless he reads it. If yeah. he reads something, he'll retain it. If he sees like pictures, he'll retain it. But he doesn't remember every time he brushes his teeth and the order he brushes teeth. Like it's not that perfect of a memory. So I will grant that he could still be forgetful, forget where you put the key. But it's just kind of funny that you know they've already made a point of like, oh, memory, memory. Like he's got a great memory, and he, it's, oh, where did I put that damn thing? Right. 
So uh, Reed finally does get the key and he kneels down to open the box. He opens it very carefully and it's a music box, AJ, and a little tune begins to play. And Gideon, who we've established before, likes classical music, recognizes the tune. He says it's Schubert, the Trout Quintet. Reed pulls out a note. Hotch is reading over his shoulder and he's saying five people fishing. I don't know if he's reading that off the note. I, I wasn't clear if that was off the note or Hotch was just making an observation about I think Trout he was Quintet. making an observation about the Trout Quintet. Yeah, I think okay. that's what it was. Uh, and I think it is a ham-fisted way of the trying to get the title in a little bit, sort of, because it's the Fisher King. And like, what are we talking about? And if they're fishing, maybe he's the Fisher King above them. If people don't know what that really means, but eh, it's 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, Reed reads out the clue that's on the paper, which says, "Never would it be night, but always clear day to any man's sight." L sarcastically says, well, that was worth it, <laughs> which actually made me LOL. Uh, L-O-L, yes. Good, another good one from L-O-L, yeah. Uh, I agree. She, she, she has been the voice of the people this episode. Usually it's not her, but it, it is her. <laughs> yes. Gideon notices that there's a little tab on the lid right under the lock, so Morgan pulls it down. They find there a piece of the blonde woman's hair cut off and a DVD, which is labeled Thy Quest. At first, I thought it was a CD, but apparently it was a DVD because it had a video on it. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing. They, the, the, you know, they cut to back at VAU headquarters where they're, they're watching said DVD, except it starts with videotape static. And yeah. at the end of it also goes back into videotape static. I suppose he could have DVD'd from a dub from his VCR, but yeah. it, just, it was just weird. <laughs> I agree. Like, you would not see that on a, on a DVD. <laughs> uh, so You'd see a blue screen. It would do a blue. <laughs> right, exactly. And a, and a warning not to uh, copy this. Yes, Interpol warning. <laughs> he wanted to make very sure that this was proprietary information. So a figure we see on the screen turns on the camera and then goes to sit down and Hotch is pointing out that he moves kind of funny. So Morgan says it looks like he's injured or something. And the unsub on the video says, I assure you, you'll all understand in the end why it must be this way. You might even thank me. You now know that you're on a quest. A young girl's life depends on the successful completion of it. The video shows the captive girl that we saw earlier yelling and throwing whatever she can find around. And the unsub says, as you can see, she is quite beautiful and in distress. Now, please listen closely for there is one rule and this rule must be followed. He says, the one rule is only the members of your team may participate in this quest. That's Jason Gideon. And we see a picture of each person as he names them off. Jason Gideon, Aaron Hotchner, Derek Morgan, L. Greenway, Spencer Reed, Jennifer Giroux, Penelope Garcia. A quest must be completed in the proper way, or it really isn't a quest after all. So you will receive an item soon. That will be the final clue. You need to complete the quest. You will find that you will also need a book, which has inspired many an adventurer like mine. Believe me when I tell you, I truly hope to see you all soon. It will mean a successful end to this adventure for all of us. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Snow, the video goes out. Yes. <laughs> uh, we are going to play a game. Now you will find the key in the dead man in the bathtub. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, so Elle says, this guy's got pictures of us. <laughs> and Reed asks, well, what do we do now? Hatch says that the lock of hair is being analyzed for DNA. There might be something on file. JJ says she'll get the video team to enhance the shots of the girl so they might be able to identify her that way. Hotch uh, let's get, says let's get these clues on the board. Maybe we can make sense of something. And Gideon actually is just looking disturbed this whole time. And eventually he just gets up and walks out of the room without a word to anybody. Hotch follows after him, tells everybody to you know keep working, and follows after Gideon. Uh, they go into his office. Uh, he asks Gideon what's wrong. And Gideon is like, I I just have nothing left. I needed a place, a place where I didn't know what was out there, where I could just close my eyes and not see bodies torn to pieces or hear children calling out for help. That cabin was the only thing I had left. And this guy took it away from me. I don't know. Maybe I'm out of gas. But anyway, I'd like to be alone. Leave me alone, please. Hotch leaves him and Gideon just looks whipped, AJ. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, he said, don't bother me for two weeks. He needs to recharge his batteries. It's like, this is I'm going to my safe space and I'm going to be okay after I spend some time in my safe space. And not only does, it, does he not get the two weeks, he no longer has the safe space. So it makes total sense that he's just like, why am I doing this? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is ridiculous. We, uh, we come back and we see that Haley is there. Haley has arrived at the alone? office. Is she alone? No, she has a a carriage with her and little oh, baby. Who's in the carriage? Little Richard. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Yes. <laughs> no, we don't know his name yet. It's season one. They've had the baby. We don't know the baby's name. Mm-hmm. By we, you mean you, but yes, no. They yes. haven't told us yet. <laughs> um, so anyway, she arrives. Uh, she says she's been calling, trying to call him, but he hasn't been answering his cell. And he says, oh, his battery died. They just got back. What is it? What's wrong? She says a man came to the door with with the delivery with something he said Hotch would need right away that a girl's life depended on it. And Hotch is like, we came to the, he came to the door. We cut to and, and now Hotch really understands what what Gideon was just talking about. I think yeah, in, in a way that he didn't before. That like oh crap, my safe space has just been violated. Oh yeah. no, yeah, he does, he doesn't like that. We come back and Haley is asking Hotch what's going on. He asks her what the guy who came to the door looked like. She's like, I don't know. He was young, had dark hair. Uh, he asks if he <laughs> did. He had demon ass hands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, did he look injured? She says no. Gideon says oh, it's not a normal delivery. They don't normally come with messages like that. Did he say these things or were they in a note? She says that he said them. And Gideon says if this guy is on the unsub, he probably has talked to him. And Haley asks what's going on. Hotch says, look, it's the case we're working on. Gideon asks her, what did he deliver? She says a piece of paper that had numbers on it. Hotch tells Gideon the team's got it. It's in the conference room. And we cut to the conference room and they've enlarged the message and have it posted up on the board. And it is indeed a series of of numbers. Elle uh, looks very sleepy and she says her eyes are so heavy she can barely see it. Reed is saying it's a coded message of some sort. 
the unsub said we needed a book, so it's probably a book code. <laughs> um, each of these numbers would represent a word. For instance, 118.30.3 would mean page 118, line 30, word number three. So they need the book to solve the code, and it has to be the exact same edition of the exact same book. And uh, so that's what they have to figure out. JJ comes it's, in. It's, it's, it, I'm just going to say, it's a bit convoluted, but it does make sense that uh, Reed would recognize that it's a code and the type of code and not be able to solve it. Because this is, like I said, this really does scream of one of these, like... 80s text-based adventure games or, yeah. or even like the king's quest where you were moved around with the, you know the joystick mm-hmm. it's like okay i recognize this is some sort of letter substitution game but i haven't done it yet so i haven't figured out the code or i recognize that this is the move the items in a particular order like switch one with four pitch two or three like we know the types of games even if we don't know necessarily how to solve this particular one just yet so i, I do like the fact that reed instantly is like oh i know what i know what, what i'm supposed to be looking for here i just don't can't do it without the book so right. there must be a second puzzle to figure out, which will give me the name of the book. I, 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 I like that aspect of it. I'm still not sure I'm buying that, that the unsub would be able to set all this up. <laughs> but It seems we'll like see. a lot. It seems like a lot. Um, so they need the book to solve the code. JJ comes in. She, uh, she decides to report that they got a DNA hit on the lock of hair. It belongs to one Rebecca Bryant who has been missing out of Boston for two years, which seems to be a long time. It it shows that this guy was in his planning stages for a long time, or at least doing stuff for a long time. Uh, I don't know yet because obviously we don't find out exactly what's going on in this episode, but um, that's right. But I mean, yeah, like I said, that's exactly what it's like. If she's missed for two years, it's not like he kidnapped her yesterday and set this emotion, which at least makes sense given how elaborate this is, this isn't something you could do in like a weekend right. to set up. So they don't know how they're supposed to figure out the book. They're still talking about the book. Uh, and then we cut to Hotch, who's walking up to Gideon, who tells him that they need to get Haley to get with a sketch artist and get get a picture of the guy. And then they'll have JJ get it out on the newswires, tell the world. And Hotch is like, tell the world. Didn't he say we have to keep this within the team? And Gideon's like, yeah. That's right. Get a sketch artist up here. <laughs> so Gideon is like, "Oh, I'm you gonna you you gonna try to determine the rules? I'm gonna play it my way." It's basically what's what's happening here. And, and again, we have seen Gideon do this all year, all season long, where we get in a situation where like, didn't we say not to coddle him? And, and he coddles him like, didn't we say to coddle him? And he screams at him like, you know, he's always gonna do the opposite of the suggested advice. Uh, when he feels like it, because it's Gideon's world, and uh, that's it. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like it's just like when they had the we had the twin girls who were who were, you know the the kidnapping with involving the twin girls, and he just hang up, hang up, hang up. You're killing yeah. her. You're killing her. Hang up, hang up. You hang up. Hang up, hang up. Hang up. You know, it's just Gideon gonna Gideon. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, we cut next to Reed. He's still looking at the code, trying to figure out. Uh, actually, he's looking at the board. Uh, where they have the other clues. He's trying to figure out maybe if he can figure out what the book is from the clues that they've been given already. L says, yeah, the answer's got to be up there somewhere. Gideon comes in to tell JJ to get some reporters in there as soon as possible. JJ's like, what for? And uh, Gideon says, just say we need help on a new case. So the whole team kind of looks befuddled at like, isn't that not what we're supposed to be doing? But <laughs> exactly. Gideon's going Gideon, uh, as you have said. 
We cut to a little bit later and JJ is indeed giving her press conference. Gideon asks Hotch if Haley and the baby have been gotten to a hotel and Hotch says, yeah. I'm sorry, Haley and who? The baby, he says. Oh, gee. Really? Haley and Gideon? the baby. Gideon might know, although Gideon might not know the name. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I can, I can understand Gideon. He could have been told the name 150 times already and he doesn't know the name. <laughs> That's true. But you would think, you would think, you would think, Haley and the baby get there? Yes, Haley. You know, I'm a dad. I wouldn't then repeat, yes, Haley and the baby are okay. You know, yeah. I would say Haley and Richard are fine. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they watch the press conference a little bit and Hotch asks Gideon if he thinks this is going to work. And Gideon says, yeah, he thinks it's going to send the right message, which I guess is we don't care what you say. <laughs> but <laughs> Okay. Uh, We're not going to play by your rule anymore. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> your, your one rule. Yeah. yeah. We see JJ holding up the sketch and she's telling them they're looking for this man in connection with the murders. He's approximately 25 years of age. He delivered a package to one of our agents last night. And we cut to the unsub watching this on TV. And he's like, no, no, no. So it, it has worked. Gideon's plan has worked to the point of let's piss off the unsub. He He's very good Pretty at much. doing that. <laughs> and it's, it's one thing if you've already established, like, you know, enough of a profile and you, you know what you're dealing with. And it's like, we, we need him to make a mistake. And this will lure him into making a mistake. Or we need to shake up his rhythm. Like, they've done that before and that tactic works. But it doesn't work when you haven't done the profile yet. They haven't done a profile. They don't know yeah. exactly what they're dealing with. So how can he do this? I think, you know, it's just a uh, bad decision. It, it might even have consequences, AJ. <laughs> what? No consequences in this world. <laughs> so our unsub is looking at this saying, no, no, no. And then he hits his uh, intercom button and he talks to Rebecca. This time he says her name because now that we've been told her name, it's OK for him to say her name. Uh, he yeah, says, exactly. Because when you are dealing with talking to someone or about someone, you tend to use their name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, uh, Rebecca, I'm afraid I must go out again. So whatever Gideon's plan was, this dude has got his own plan after uh, seeing this little press conference. We cut back to the team working on the code. They still haven't figured out what book it is yet. Hotch wakes up L, who's fallen asleep on the couch. He says he's sending her home. AJ, as soon as this whole thing starts to go on, I'm like, uh-oh, we're getting close to the, oh, no. I'm <laughs> not feeling it. I'm telling you, my spidey sense is tingling through this whole bit here. But anyway, uh, he says he's sending her home, and she says no. And Hotch is saying, you need to rest. Don't worry. We're not going to do anything without you. We promise. She's, she starts to say no, no. But again, Hotch says, look, it's an order. So she grabs her stuff. She follows Hotches out. He spots a rando in the office. He's like, hey, Anderson, take Greenway home. Elle says she's fine. And Hotch says, don't worry, I'll have your car sent over a little later. Elle sighs. And she's like, all right, come on, Anderson. So again, here she's uh, using the name. Yes, exactly. And uh, although, although Hotch did know his name, too, and... Uh, <laughs> I, I, if I, if they hadn't named him Anderson, I would have just called him not Tony Goldwyn. But he, but he is Tony Goldwyn. I mean, this is, he could be his younger brother. There's definitely uh, that kind of a look there. But yeah, yeah, so they go off. He goes to take her home, uh, and then begins uh, uh, the end of the season. Uh, this is something that a lot of shows will do. 
uh, at the end of episodes and at the end of seasons, and Criminal Minds loves to do this too, it's the montage over yes. some sort of song. And this song, I don't know the song, I don't know the group, I looked it up, I've never heard of the group or the song, but a lot of references to the word home and the word sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I too did not look up this song, but it is playing, we have our montage so we're cutting back and forth to some various images. Finally, we see Hotch knocking on Gideon's door. He's saying he sent uh, Elle home with Anderson. She hasn't slept in 36 hours and Gideon's like, good. And then we see as the song is playing some various members of the team. We see the code again. We see some of the various clues again. Finally, we cut to Elle arriving home. And she's so tired, she just starts to zonk out right there on the couch after she gets inside. And uh, then all of a sudden, our song goes out and some scary music starts playing. And we see that someone is in the house with her. He's got a gun pointed at her way. He does his whisper talk to her. I told you, it was one rule. And Elle immediately bounces up. She's like, no, no. And he says, one rule, Agent Greenway. She says, stop. He says, do you not consider that holding a press conference? I and mean, he's sounding pissed right now. But like, oh, heck yeah. Holding a press conference is going outside of the team for the help. And Elle is like, listen, he's just screaming, one rule. I told you this was important. And Elle's looking at her gun on a coffee table. Maybe she can get to it. Maybe she can reach it. She goes for it. She reaches for it. And then the screen goes black and we hear a gunshot. And that's the end of the episode. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> AJ, normally this is where I would ask, did they win the episode? But this is a part one. Episode is not over. And I got to tell you, I don't think things are looking too good for them winning the episode at this juncture, stopping it right here. <laughs> well, that, 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 that is the good thing about having a, a cliffhanger. I mean, you put your team in peril and, you know, sometimes you see a lot more of the extent. This is more of a mystery peril because, like you said, I mean, Elle was reaching for her gun. We only heard one shot. We don't know how good a shot uh, our weakened, mangled guy is so i mean there's still hope that that could have been l shooting him and you know they could start the next season like well sure glad we caught that unsub and don't have to figure out this quiz anymore <laughs> i okay not likely but sure uh, <laughs> no i i think is a really really nice nice uh setup for a season ending cliffhanger uh, yeah, you know, we're not going to analyze whether or not they won or not, like you said, because the case is mid midway. So just to wrap up the season, uh, 21 episodes worth, because this one is going to uh, just be deferred to the next uh, season. Uh, 13 wins, two losses, six ties. That's not bad. That's not a bad rating. You know, not perfect. Mm -hmm. Not always winning. Uh, winning more than you lose, you know, two times as much as a tie. Yeah, I, I, I think fair. Yeah, it seems realistic to me, AJ. Like, uh, I would feel like a real BAU team in real life if they had these numbers, uh, they would be they would be happy with them. Yeah, and on top of the fact, I mean, they are considered to be the best team that you know is in existence. So you know, they're going to have a winning record. Certainly, you would hope uh, if they're the best at it. 
that's not unrealistic. And if they were, if they won every case, it'd be boring. Uh, if they lost every case, you'd be like, who are these clowns? So right, I, think, right. I think we could use for a little more, maybe uh, a, lo- a few more losses here and there. I think mm-hmm. would make it a little more, uh, ooh, are they going to get it? As opposed to how are they going to get it? Because that gets boring. But for right. our first season, when a lot of the time we were just introducing uh, you know, the characters and setting it up, I think very, very fair portrayal by the writers. Uh, and, uh, you know, they didn't say the title, but again, this is a two-parter. So I'm going to, again... Extend that out. Uh, we, you know, we're not keeping track of that in terms of uh, scoring it. It's always just fun yeah. to notice when they do, and they do more than they don't, so that's good. And I guess the the last thing is, I'm not going to do a quiz today because if I, you know, one of the quiz questions would be, what are we going to see next next episode? And well, of course, what we're going to do next episode is see the end of this one. So <laughs> right. uh, you know, it's not a new plot that I'm going to have to trick you on here. But you did pretty good for the first season. Uh, you're batting 302. Oh, okay. Hey, that's all star level as far as I'm concerned. So, especially well lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, so that that goes again. No quiz this week, but I do want to ask you, uh, kind of unofficial quiz. I mean, part of part of uh, time, I will ask you to give me predictions on things, and mm-hmm. uh, well, let's recap the uh, eight predictions we got going at the end of the season. Yeah. The season finale. Let's re- recap them. Uh, that's the one that's just yeah. killing us all. Killing us all. From episode one, what is the Hotchner kid's name? And I cannot believe, in retrospect, that <laughs> I, 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 have, I had no memory of the fact that they had not said the kid's name yet in the entire first season. But such is the such is the way you have predicted, Richard. Uh, I thought by now we'd be able to cross that one off one way or the other, and we no, we don't know yet. Hopefully soon. <laughs> Uh, I will promise you eventually, but hopefully soon. <laughs> hopefully soon. Uh, yes. Uh, second prediction. I asked how many of these seven BAU team members, so press conferences don't count because that's not part of the BAU team we've learned. <laughs> yeah. That's going outside the team. How many Apparently, members of, of, yeah. of this original uh, seven-member team will have near-death visions? And who, if any? You predicted three, which would be Gideon, Morgan, and J.J., We'll see what happens there. Uh, how many references will we have to Reed and JJ's date uh, at the Washington football team's game? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you said that there would be one reference after that initial episode. Uh, and season one, episode five, they did reference it. So we are sitting on one. Now you just have to hope that we go the rest of the way without referencing it. <laughs> and uh, we'll see if that happens. In five years from, from now. <laughs> exactly. Or actually, I mean, if it happens, then we'll know. But <laughs> we could be here a while. <laughs> uh, another prediction. How many weddings will there be in the, the course of the season? And these are weddings in which our team members themselves get married or one of their relatives where they're in the wedding. Not just a random wedding where an unsub kills somebody. That We're, not talk- we're talking about involving directly the BAO team. You said 12. There would be 12. <laughs> I think that was 15 years, though. Yeah, oh. I know, but it still seems a little high. <laughs> well, we shall see. We shall see. Um, you know, maybe there's a wedding that gets canceled and they have to reschedule it. And so they're at a wedding and then they're at a wedding again with the same couple. You never know that. That happens. I mean, you never know. Some people get remarried. Some people this redo their vows. This is true. <laughs> Who knows? Baby Hoshner might get married by the time this is done and we might learn his name. <laughs> Uh, oh, on Lord. the flip side of that, I asked you how many funerals. Uh, this would be 
uh, either funerals for BAU members, uh, involving BAU members where they're speaking at it or they're attending uh, as a participant, not in we're going to watch the funeral of this victim and see if the unsub shows up. They have to be directly involved in the funeral. Right, Uh, right. you, You said nine. So we're still waiting for our first on both of those. Uh, the last three were all related to relationships that we learned, uh, that we met over the course of this first season. Uh, JJ, if she does get, uh, involved romantically in the future, how will she meet this, uh, romantic, uh, partner and what kind of job will they have? Will it be like a member of the press? Will it be a... an unsub, a victim, a witness, a fellow FBI agent? None. What will it, You predicted that it would be an athlete who was a witness to a case. Uh, we met Hotchner's brother, Sean, uh, who moved to New York to uh, become a restaurant uh, person, so work in the restaurant business. Uh, and the very next week, they went to New York and didn't visit <laughs> Sean at all. So I said, do you think we'll ever see him again? And if so, when will that be? You said yes, and you predicted season five as the next time we will see Sean Hotchner. Uh, and our final question uh, involved Reed and his beloved Hollywood hottie, Lila Archer. Will we ever see or hear from her again? If so, how many times? You said yes, we would see her again, uh, at least being referred to. You didn't think we'd actually see her on screen, but she would be referred to three times over the course of the series, is what you said. Uh, and then I said, uh, including Lila. Uh, by the end of the series run, how many love interests will Reed have? And you also said three. So that means two more would have to come. Fifteen years, two more? I mean, uh, one would hope, right? Mm-hmm. That there'd be at least one. We don't want anyone to be lonely forever. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we'll, we'll define that as a go. So those are our current predictions. Uh, just a quick ballpark here. Why don't you make... You know, maybe two or three predictions. What's going to happen in the season uh, premiere? Like, how's how is this episode going to end? Where where we go from here? What 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 what's going on? <sighs> this is this is interesting, AJ, because I have no clue. I don't, you know, I have not watched this show. I don't, and I don't know all the criminal minds gossip. I had didn't I didn't pay any attention to it, so um, I don't know how bold they're going to be. But I am predicting that it's curtains for L. I'm predicting L is going to be no longer with us. Sadly, Lola Gladini is going to be out of a job because the character they I, I, they probably were listening to the audience <laughs> for characters <laughs> that they were pretty much done with, <laughs> and uh, I think that might have been L. I think viewers' choice, but they didn't. They're not really going to say that. But I think <laughs> I think L is going to be written out of the show. So I think uh, our unsub did manage to kill L. I could be wrong, but I'm going to go with that. You could be wrong because you don't know. Uh, and, and yes, anything else? And I think our unsub is going to be perhaps somebody we've heard about before. Uh, I don't know how. I'm trying to remember if there was anybody in the bombing episode that got burned up real bad because, again, our man looked pretty gnarled and 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 they did say victim-like. that uh, they did say that our uh, female uh, kidnap victim disappeared from Boston. 
Yeah. Oh, good point. She disappeared from Boston. So maybe we're talking about, uh, oh, I forget his name, but <laughs> our uh, our Boston uh, culprit. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. All right. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to throw uh, or are you good? I, I uh, huh. Maybe, maybe you want, maybe uh, not just, uh, is, there, is there any prediction you want to make uh, for season two on the whole? Something that you think will happen in season two? So I think in season two, how about this? We're going to meet a new regular cast member. With, uh, that kind of goes with the fact that I'm sure. thinking we're going to lose L. So I'm saying we're going to get a new person. And it's going to be another woman, and that's all. <laughs> is that enough info? I don't know what her yeah, story no, that's is. Fine. That's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> and how about one last prediction? How many losses is the team going to have next next season? Okay. I think we're getting to the point where the writers are starting to say, okay, this is kind of fun if we have some, uh, some losses here. <laughs> I think they're going to sort of feel it with us. Um, but we're still going to mainly be successful. Um, uh, by the way, we're looking at 23, 23 episodes, 23 episodes. I th- mm-hmm. I'm going to say we're still not going to go too crazy with the losses. So maybe I'll give it. S- we had six this, this season. We had two S- losses and six draws, six draws. Oh, okay. I think we're going to have more than two losses. I think we're going to have, uh, Four losses next season. I think we're going to double this season, but still not be too bad. All right. Well, I am satisfied that you have made some bold predictions here. Uh, So let's lock up the vault and uh, put this thing to bed for uh, the season. And uh, yeah. Uh, Wow. Next week we'll be back. Yeah. Next week we'll be back with the with the quiz and all that good stuff. And uh, hopefully. Hopefully, in a, a, a BAU that survives. <laughs> yeah, that is season one of Felonious Pundits. AJ, any any season one thoughts? By the way, I wanted to ask you just anything that stood out. Like on a rewatch perspective, was there anything that you just thought was much better than you remembered it, or anything that stood out over the season for you? Yeah, I I, I think uh, I w- I was surprised at how how complete the characters felt by the end of the season and and how quickly during the season that it felt that way, that they were uh, close to, I mean, obviously characters change over the years and the characters in any show from one season to season 15 are going to be different uh, in terms of who they are as people. But I, I felt like we knew who Morgan was. We knew who Reed is. We know who Elle is. We know who Gideon is. We know how JJ Garcia, we know who all these people are. And we, we now, notice when their behavior doesn't quite seem to fit and uh, I noticed how badly uh, the writing didn't serve the show at all for the first half of this season but I would say I, I, I found the back half a lot better than I remembered in terms of the yeah. cases and everything I don't watch season one a lot and when I do it's usually just selected cases here and there and I kind of just skip ahead and just, I don't want to, you know, but like even, even one like Machismo, which I didn't really love at all. Uh, the first time I watched it and on a repeated viewings, I, I liked it a little better now just because of the process we're going through. It wasn't as bad as I remembered. I mean, still didn't like it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't 
as bad. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the show really did a nice job of recognizing that what works is focusing on the characters and let the case be there and be interesting. But really, we care about how our characters react to the case and not how the case twists and turns and surprises the audience. That's not what this show should be about. And you can do it once in a while. If you can, if you can marry the mm-hmm. two, that, that all the better. Uh, I, I think the show really found itself and didn't have to rely as much on the, hey, we got these cool CSI-style visual effects to, to keep right. things interesting. Right. Uh, you know, okay, we don't we don't have to do the walk through the picture every week. We don't have to <laughs> right. have uh, right. the, the the profile dissolve into the cases and the background. Like that, we're not watching for that. We're watching to see Morgan say "my man" and kick down the door. We're watching to, to see you know yeah. the interaction between the characters, and uh, I think they they're doing a much better job of that. So uh, I, yeah, I, I think I'm not surprised that the show was renewed for season two mm-hmm. whereas I, I in my head i had it as this was a much worse show and like uh, I, you know cbs had nothing better <laughs> to, to, to do than right. to renew it and i was like oh yeah i kind of deserved it I, I i see promise here well i i will say as a, a first time viewer you're right about the episodes that i really liked i mean i did like the pilot but that was you know okay good we get to meet these people most of these people um and and then the episode that drew me in the most was this very last episode this was the one that really like got me going oh that was it that was the episode and it's because these people that i've started started to know and care about are now in deadly peril and uh that's what made it such a tense episode for me and uh it it wouldn't have been able to do that if they hadn't have established who they were throughout the throughout the year here. And even though there were a few clunkers, um, <laughs> I didn't feel I, I felt like, OK, this is a good, good show watching it. But this last episode was really like, oh, OK, now I got to know what now I got to. This is must see now. I have to see what happens next. Yeah. So I was uh, pleased for that. And uh Wow, we're running pretty long, but it is our finale for season one. So, yeah, well, <laughs> that's, what, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for joining us for season one. I hope you uh, really enjoyed the show. And of course, if you have any comments, you can always write to us, as you frequently do, at feloniouspundits at gmail.com. It was fun. It was fun, you guys. Uh, and uh, that's it. Let's end it there. I'm Kintad Svensgaard for AJ Mass. Have a good one and keep profiling. Wheels up. I don't think anyone ever liked to play more than I did. Nellie Fox.